hello, and welcome to Things That Make You Go Woo. I'm your host, Emily Barnard, also known as Emily and Her Stars. I'm a medium, an astrologist, an Akashic Records reader, an artist, and an all-around just silly and curious gal. In this podcast, I'll be sharing the things and people I find fascinating, funny, and inspirational. Things that I hope will certainly make you go woo, too. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode titled, What's Beer Got to Do With It? Not too long ago, my mom sent me an article on Facebook. Now, if you have a mom on Facebook, and chances are you do, you get a couple of these messages a week, too. Most of them are cute. Some of them are inspirational. Once in a while, there's a good cat video. But this one that she sent me in particular sent me down a giant rabbit hole. The article was published on theconversation.com. It's a website that I've never heard of. And as they describe themselves, The Conversation is a nonprofit independent news organization dedicated to unlocking the knowledge of experts for the public good. I mean, if it's on the internet, it must be true, right? <laughs> so this article in particular that she sent me was titled, Women Used to Dominate the Beer Industry Until the Witch Accusations Started Pouring In. Below it is a darling photo of women dressed up as witches with cute white aprons, cute hats, drinking beer. And honestly, you had me at witches. So this article... I read and when I was done, kind of picked my job off the floor and decided I needed to find out more. This couldn't possibly be true. So what I'm going to share to do with you today is some of the research I've done over the last few weeks and discovering really how intricately linked witches are to beer. So let's start at the beginning. For almost 7,000 years, beer has been an essential part of human existence, which I find hilarious, but also true. (laughs) The oldest known beer recipe comes from a Sumerian hymn to the goddess of beer, Ninkasi. I'm probably saying that wrong, but just go with it. So I actually have part of that hymn here that I want to read to you because I find it delightful. It is you who bake the beer bread in the big oven and put in order the piles of hulled grain. Ninkasi, it is you who soak the malt in a jar. The waves rise, the waves fall. Ninkasi, it is you who spread the cooked mash on the large reed mats. Coolness overcomes. Isn't that awesome? I just love that. So part of the history with the Sumerians was not only that they brewed ale, beer, but they also used it in religious and um, spiritual ceremonies. And most of the time it was brewed by women, which ironically enough seems to continue right into the ancient Egyptians who also worshipped a beer goddess by the name of Tenetnet, probably also got that wrong, 
roll with it. And this beer was brewed as well as for religious ceremonies and daily rations, but there are even hieroglyphics found depicting women brewing and drinking beer. And honestly, if it's good enough for the Egyptians, right? It's good enough for me. Take a beer. (laughs) So this history of women making beer really is millennia old. And these Icons and images of women as beer makers continues well into the Middle Ages, where, of course, things kind of start to go haywire. But beer making itself shifts from a sacred role of ceremony and religion and moves really into an everyday kind of necessity. I mean, well, let's face it, the Middle Ages aren't exactly known for their sanitary drinking water (laughs) and, you know, fun, deadly diseases abounded. So what are you going to drink, right? Wine is ridiculously expensive. That's reserved for the rich. Milk and cheese spoil pretty much by the end of the day, unless you're a real big cheese fan. And even then, if you don't have someplace cool to store it, you're kind of out of luck. So if you can't really drink the water, you can't drink the milk, what's left? You kind of come back to beer. And part of the reason being when you ferment the grain in the water, you're boiling the water and actually making a sterile drink. And so beer was considered a safer option for everyone. And it also allowed for the preserving of the grain and the precious calories full of nutrients and carbs and proteins and all those great things that if you weren't making enough in the fields or you were working hard all day, you needed to grab a meal on the go. And beer is the meal on the go. (laughs) Now, that being said, these daily beers aren't necessarily high in alcoholic content. Um, Those versions were still made, but reserved more for ceremonies and holidays and religious affairs. And it was right around the 16th century that hops was added to beer making. This was brand new. And with the addition of hops, the shelf life of beer was actually lengthened and it allowed you to store it for a little bit longer, which is good and bad, right? then you have a stronger beer, but you also have something that you don't have to drink within a day or two. And at this point, the beer and ale kind of separate. There's a, the, any brew with hops is considered beer and any brew that did not was considered an ale. Now in my house, we're kind of ale fans over here. Not to say there's anything wrong with you IPA hops people. I get it. It's a thing. No judgment. Over here, I'll take an ale any day. So here you are in the Middle Ages. You're a woman. You're already baking all the bread, making the porridge. You are mending all the clothes, sometimes making the clothes. You are raising children working in the field, and on top of all your other chores and tasks of being a good homemaker, you're also required to make beer, keep your family alive. Now, how much 
beer does a typical medieval family of five need? Well, it's guesstimated to be around nine gallons a week. And if that's spoiling uh, pretty quickly, except maybe in Finland, because honestly, I guess if you're up north, you could just, you know, put your beer on ice. (laughs) But women, like we always do, we had to get creative, right? I can't be making nine gallons beer a week and how many loaves of bread, right? We just, we started to share the workload with friends, neighbors, other women. And so one week, this woman might make a few extra gallons and next week you might make a few extra gallons. And if you have left over, well, you can sell them even. So this side income wasn't seen as a threat to men. It was really seen as women's work. It's another way for you to bring some money into the household and earn your worth. And so as the Black Plague now takes hold and we lose half of the population in England, suddenly there's fewer women to make beer. There are fewer husbands to provide for wives. So there's women left needing jobs. And this cottage industry kind of emerges, whereby widowed women, unmarried women are making beer and selling it out of their homes, out of their cottage. And sometimes they might even open their house up and let you come in. People could sit, drink together, kind of a makeshift bar opens. And after the plague, nobody trusted the water. Nobody really knew where the plague is coming from at that point. And so beer really took hold in large numbers. People were drinking more and more than ever. So this idea of these makeshift bars and homes really emerged and the term alewife or Brewster emerged. Now, both these terms, brewwife, Brewster and alewife refer to a woman who brews beer for a small profit. By now, you're probably asking yourself, Emily, what does this have to do with witches? And I know, I know, I'm getting there. I really am, I promise. Let's for a minute imagine you're in Renaissance England. Close your eyes for a moment and... You're at this market. There's dirt and cobblestone streets. The air is filled with aromas, both strong and not so strong. There's meat, vegetables for sale. There's a sea of people everywhere. And ahead of you, there seems to be an even larger crowd than at some of the other food stands. And what you notice is this tall hat sticking up out of the crowd. And in front of this woman with a tall hat, you see a cauldron. And she's dipping in cups and selling this liquid. Sound familiar at all? Yes, you've got it. The iconography we associate with witches actually originates with Brewster's women beer makers. I mean, I can't even. So imagine here these Brewsters made and even transported 
their beer and brew. They make it in cauldrons over open fires. They take these cauldrons to market. They wear tall hats, which not only was fashion, but also was so that they could be seen in a crowd of people. They kept cats, not as demon familiars, but as a way to keep the mice and rats out of their grain. And honestly, now that we know that the Black Plague was spread primarily by mice and rats, the fact that these women lived longer than many others probably also added to this idea of witches and magical brews. Oh, and the broom. Yeah, let's not forget the broom. Not only do you need that to clean up all the rye and grain that keeps falling on the floor and to keep the mice away, but in fact, brooms were often left at the doors of Brewster's establishments as a way of signifying that they were a Brewster, kind of the early sign iconography, if you will. This is about the time in the article where I picked my job off my desk and shook my tiny fists of fury at the patriarchy. I mean, are you kidding me? Of course. Of course, unmarried and widowed women working their asses off to make a living, dealing with drunk, possibly even alcoholic men in their homes, of course they would be labeled as witches. Now, the beer trade was full of trickery. Crappy beer could get subbed in for good. Uh... Pints could be poured a little bit small, and you were actually required to sell at a price that the, for lack of a better word, the local sheriff would set. He would come and taste your beer and say, oh, this is a five cent beer, and you can't sell it for any more than that. But your neighbor might have a seven cent beer. But as soon as that sheriff left, these women knew better, and they would change their prices, which, although it illegal, also allowed them to make a living. So, okay, there's some trickery. Sometimes a good beer isn't always good. Prices get a little inflated. And before you know it, you get a drunk, inebriated customer who finds out he's been robbed or cheated. Of course, at this time, the church isn't always a fan of the Brewsters. And women are already seen as inherently evil, thanks to Eve Seriously, you couldn't eat a pear. It had to be the apple. So here we have women painted in a bad light. And it's after the plague. Beer is getting profitable. Things are picking up, but women don't know their place. And men suddenly saw that they could make a real profit off of what was once women's work. And in order to reduce their competition... Some men accused female Brewsters of being witches. It's important to keep in mind that during this time, wood etchings, which enabled us to print flyers, were really just coming into fashion. And they were also something that could be created quickly, distributed widely, and was actually saved. And so So many of these early depictions we have of what are considered witches are actually Brewsters. Now, some of these images I will share on my Instagram just so that you can see them. But it's interesting how 
quickly, once you see an image of a Brewster and she's been painted as a witch, you can think that all other Brewsters and witches are in on it together. These single unmarried women living longer than others, making money, stealing from men. There's all sorts of things happening here. So what do you think? I am completely fascinated by this story. It makes so much sense. And honestly, in the last couple of weeks, I think I've drank a little bit more beer than I normally have. <laughs> now I'm a ce- I have celiac. I am gluten intolerant, allergic. And I found here in Colorado this amazing brewery called Holidayly, and they make gluten-free beer, which is fabulous. And so now when I have one, I think back to all the women before me that came up with these incredible recipes and kept these traditions and their families alive. Because according to current um, trends, only about 20 to 26% of all breweries are owned by women. It's still such predominantly run by men. And unfortunately, they took us down in a hard, hard way. But this Halloween, when you dress up as a witch, maybe take a uh, six pack with you (laughs) and enjoy a beer along the way. So thank you for listening. I love finding curiosities and things about history that just get you interested in the woo. And so I believe there's some witch in all of us. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening and check out the next episode soon. Have a great one. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Things That Make You Go Woo. You can help me out by leaving a positive rating and a review wherever you downloaded this episode. Be sure and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Emily and Her Stars. You can also reach out via email anytime emilyandherstars at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time on things that make you go woo.